We live in a perplexing time, a time in which there have been unprecedented breakthroughs in reproductive health rights, but at the same time, immense pushback. The options for female contraception have never been so abundant, with birth control pills, patches, IUDs, and injections. But now more than ever, reproductive rights are under attack. You're listening to Hashtag Health, a podcast supported by the University Students' Council at Western University and the Canadian Federation of Medical Students. If you like this episode of the Hashtag Health podcast, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes for a chance to win an Amazon gift card. New winners will be announced on the podcast and on Facebook every week. When the 2018 provincial election resulted in a progressive conservative majority, 11 candidates were supported by Right Now, a staunchly pro-life organization. One in particular, Sam Osterhoff, declared he would vote to defund abortion clinics at a recent pro-life rally. He was quoted saying that the Canadian people have, quote, survived 50 years of abortion in Canada, end quote, and that his party, quote, pledges to make abortion unthinkable in our lifetime, end quote. Three MPPs from Ford's government attended this rally held in Queen's Park in May. Groups like the Campus Life Coalition and Right Now are part of a growing new movement of pro-life advocacy. Organizations that belong to this movement have historically spread misinformation to prevent individuals from choosing to have an abortion. And as many of you know, in today's day and age, this is especially dangerous given that the internet is rife with opinions that many might mistake as facts. To combat this, we sat with Dr. Fraser Fellows, an OBGYN at the Lawson Health Institute to dispel the top myths circulating on the internet regarding abortions. So let's begin with myth number one, that abortions are a means of contraception. I guess one of the misconceptions over the years is that women would use abortion as a means of contraception. And I think in our society, North American society in particular, that is a myth. Uh, most women respect life, respect the fact that uh, a pregnancy is a sacred event and that uh, they enter into it with usually knowing all the facts and uh, they, they would never use it as a method of birth control. And this is particularly true for our society because we, we have an excellent infrastructure for preventing pregnancy. In countries where we don't have where they don't have a great infrastructure in terms of access to contraception, then unfortunately abortion can become a method of conception control. And this I used to quote a statistic from Russia, which is about 15 years old now, but and that at that time the average Russian woman in her lifetime would have eight abortions. So this is obviously, a, to my mind, a, a problem of not having the infrastructure to provide them with effective contraception. Uh, so that was the most common one. The other uh, one that was often perpetuated by the anti-choice movement was that uh, if you had an abortion, it would reduce your chances of having a pregnancy in the future. And there's absolutely no evidence that uh, in women who have uh, a successful complication-free abortion, which is the vast majority of them, there's no evidence that their fertility is impacted any way uh, by having that abortion. And so now we turn to myth number two, that women cannot get pregnant immediately after an abortion. When a woman's reproductive system recuperates from that pregnancy, whether it's full term or a 
spontaneous abortion or a therapeutic abortion, it's quite variable. But it, it's risky to think that there is a, a definite safe period after an abortion. And typically women who have abortions are highly motivated to never go through this experience again. So they're, they're often eager to acquire some effective form of birth control. And in fact, nowadays we do quite a few same-day insertions of intrauterine devices, which somewhat protects them, um, uh, although they may want to take it out later on, but at least going forward, they, they have the assurance that they're not going to get pregnant right away. Because a woman can certainly ovulate a month after an abortion or within a month after an abortion. So you have to be very cautious about contraception, even in that seemingly less vulnerable time. An extension of the previous misconception is myth number three, that if a woman has an abortion, the resulting scar tissue prevents future pregnancies. Yeah, that's a myth for sure. Um, the techniques that we, well, the, the common techniques that we use now for abortion are the medical abortion using mefepristone and mesoprostol, which uh, doesn't interfere at all with the, the lining of the uterus. The surgical abortions involved using an aspirating curette, a suction curette, so there's no um, mechanical um, um, disruption of the uh, important layers of the um, endomyometrium. So certainly back in the days when we used sharp metal curettes, that was a possibility, albeit still fairly uncommon. But th this day and age, um, there is no actual mechanical assault of the uh, endomyometrial lining. So it's, it is a myth, for sure. Back in the day, like we've had access to abortions basically since 69 in Canada. Back in the day, we didn't have these plastic curettes, which work on the vacuum principle. And so these sharp curettes in less experienced hands might have been used more roughly than they should have been to try and remove the pregnancy. And this can disrupt the, the basal layer of the uh, endometrium and perhaps lead to scar tissue. In the late 90s and early 2000s, anti-abortion activists launched an advertising campaign that linked abortions to breast cancer. Transportation vehicles in Philadelphia were plastered with the words, quote, women who choose abortion suffer more and deadlier breast cancer, end quote. There's lots of evidence in the literature to show that there's absolutely no difference in the incidence of breast cancer in women who've had an abortion or a pregnancy or a spontaneous abortion. Any form of pregnancy um, does not increase a woman's risk of having breast cancer. There certainly is evidence that being pregnant with breast cancer can accelerate the course of the breast cancer, but there's no evidence that terminating the pregnancy either spontaneously with having a baby or uh, having a miscarriage or having a therapeutic abortion uh, changes that woman's risk of, of breast cancer. And now let's move to myth number five, that fetuses experience pain during pregnancies. This myth has been especially central to anti-abortion movements, with many pro-life activists equating aborting a fetus to an abuse of human rights. Fetuses do experience pain in certain parts of pregnancy, but not during the time when therapeutic abortions are carried out. 
There are some experimental, there has been some experimental suggestions that you can inflict pain in a fetus uh, in utero, but these are anecdotal and there's really no scientific evidence to show that fetuses in utero experience pain in the interval where therapeutic abortions are carried out, which is less than 24 weeks in Canada. So now what would Dr. Fellows say to a woman considering an abortion? I think that, um, as I alluded to earlier, I think it's very important when a woman becomes pregnant that she consult the proper people, that she talk to accredited pregnancy options programs and uh, access those tools that she needs to make the right choice for herself. I think it's good for women to share this load with their partner if it's appropriate, if it's possible. And, you know, oftentimes these are young women who who um, may not have anybody else on the scene except their family. And it's very important for them to, I think, discuss it with their mom. They always want to talk to their mom. And I think it's a great idea to be, even though they're anxious about letting mom know that this has happened. Um, my experience has been once they sort of get through that barrier and talk to their mother, they're very helpful to have her support, provided that, you know, she is supportive in allowing her daughter to exercise her rights and not the mother's rights, as it were. And most women are, most young women are quite pleased with uh, the results of, of jumping that hurdle. I really think it's very important, however, to to access the clinic and talk to the nurses and or social workers. Those, those options are available to every woman that comes through the clinic and I think um, it's very helpful for them to discuss the things that we've discussed risks and complications and what are my options and because we we are we have don't have a vested interest in the clinic in what this woman does all we want to do is help her make the right choice for her at that time and that's the truth over 30 years after the 1988 Supreme Court case of R versus Morgenthaler declared that abortion should be a medical issue between doctor and patient, 77% of Canadians believe that abortion should be legalized. However, the anti-abortion movement is on the rise both here and globally. Canada's anti-abortion lobbying activities are growing, and in the US, there have been serious talks about repealing Roe v. Wade, which was the 1973 ruling legalizing abortion. I think it's. Uh, I think a, a right to choose is a very important uh, part of our Canadian society. I, I think uh, most Canadians believe in a woman's right to choose. I think that most Canadians. Uh, that doesn't mean that most Canadians they themselves would have an abortion, but at least if someone's in a predicament, they believe that that person has a right to determine the outcome of that pregnancy. And I think it's. Uh, it it really is. Uh, something that's very important um, because without that um, women are put in very difficult positions. This brings us to the end of today's episode. While the political environment surrounding reproductive rights has been more turbulent than ever, we hope that with these hard facts, people will be more equipped to make informed decisions. We'd like to thank Dr. Fellows for taking the time to share his knowledge with us, and to you for listening. For more episodes, please subscribe to us on Apple Music or on Spotify. See you next week.